Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to my good nanny radio. MGN Radio. The best show on Blog Talk Radio for family information and entertainment. Thanks for tuning in. and entertainment. I am your host, Miss Tossie, broadcasting live from Georgia. And um, just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to our show. For those of you who might be listening for the first time, um, today is May 6th, Wednesday. It's 12 noon. And um, MGM Radio started as an extension of My Good Nanny. And basically we interview everyday moms, dads, celebrity moms, dads, anything that's of interest to our parenting community. Um, We are the number one talk show with over 30,000 listeners worldwide. You can listen um, via phone or you can listen online now or later. So thank you so much. We're really, really excited to have today's show. Uh, We're going to be talking to the award-winning actress, Victoria Raul, and we're really, really excited. Um, If she's on the line, please press 1. That lets us know that you're there as we have a lot of people on our phone lines, so we want to make sure we connect the right person. So, again, press 1, and we will connect you after we give you our fabulous MGN introduction. So before we get started, um, yesterday was Cinco de Mayo, and for those of you who, um, you know, celebrated that, that was an exciting day yesterday. It um, really signifies the war that the Mexicans won against the French, and um, a lot of people think it has to do with the Mexican Independence Day, and that's not what Cinco de Mayo is. It is May 5th. And um, like I said, it's really a celebration when the Mexicans won the war against the French. So um, happy one day late Cinco de Mayo to everyone. Um, We want to say thank you again, all those people um, who are tuning in, and we really, really appreciate you listening to the radio show. Also, I want to thank all my guests in the chat room, on the phone lines, a couple of days ago, if you're like me, follow me on Twitter, you watched the fight, what was dimmed 
the fight of the century with Floyd Mayweather and um, Manny Pacquiao, and I watched it. I didn't watch it live. I watched it via pay-per-view. And if you follow me on Twitter, Mrs. Ufa DK, you will see all my tweets play-by-play. I mean, a lot of people retweeted because I tried to do a play-by-play tweet. Some people were disappointed um, with the fight. I was team Mayweather. (laughs) I wanted him to win. Um, But it was a good fight, 12 rounds, and if you haven't seen it, just check out my timeline, and that will give you a lot of information. Um, Jamie Foxx sang the national anthem and received a whole lot of flack. (laughs) Um, I actually tweeted, fail, um, just because I was, was, wow, it was, you have to see it. But anyway, so that was the big buzz that happened um, last weekend. So now, without further ado, I want to introduce our guest. I'm so, so excited because I was such a fan when I was younger. I don't want to date myself, but I did watch um, her on Young and Restless. But Victoria Rowell is an award-winning actress, international lecturer, holds two doctorates, a teacher, an advocate, a mother, a former foster youth. She has been recognized by 193 members of Congress for her advocacy work on behalf of education, arts, foster, and adoptive youth and parents, as well as diversity issues. And for those of you who followed Dare to Aspire or My Good Man, we try to tweet out with the hashtag Drew4Diversity, and we're going to talk about that and what that means when she's on the show. She's also a New York Times best-selling author. Her book, um, The Woman Who Raised Me, was published by HarperCollins, and, um, you know, New York Times best-selling author. She's an Emmy-nominated NAACP-winning actress. Um, she starred in the television show Diagnosis Murder um, for eight seasons, um, as well as we talked about The Young and Restless, many, many seasons. And, um, you know, her character, Drusilla Winters, who we all know and love. Um, and um, hopefully I'm one of the ones that want to bring her back. And, you know, hey, it's so popular, you can bring back the dead, right? So anyway... Um, She's born in Maine. She was raised in a 60-acre working farm, and she learned classical ballet from a book. So impressive. She eventually turned professional and performed with the American Ballet Theater. She has two adult children, and she's going to be our keynote speaker at the Dare to Aspire conference in Atlanta. We're super, super excited to have our guest with us. Let me connect her. Hello, Hello. Victoria. Hello. Hello. How are you? How are I you am fine. Here? I'm fine. Welcome to MGM Radio. We're so happy to have you. Well, I'm happy to be connected from Hollywood, California. Thank you for that fabulous introduction. Um, and why don't we just jump right in because there's so much to talk about. That's um, right. I think I'd, I'd like, if you don't mind, if we could start with uh, The Young and the Restless. Um, I have long been involved uh, as uh, an advocate for inclusion for all people, but especially black and brown, uh, men and women. Um, I was taught to be a self-advocate by virtue of being in foster care for 18 years, you better have be a self-advocate if you expect to 
get ballet slippers from your social worker or if you expect to get what is considered extra in the child welfare system, health and human services. So when I got to Hollywood and I thought that there were barely any African Americans behind the Young and the Restless, I spoke up and I spoke out. And as Congressman John Lewis recently said on Capitol Hill, which I was recently asked to, to speak, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But Congressman John Lewis said, find a way to get in the way. So I'm very proud that I was able to inspire at least 12 contracts, full contracts, union contracts, in front and behind the camera. And that means the Writers Guild of America, uh, National Urban League President Mark Morial and I had to fight at the 38-year mark of Young and the Restless being on CBS Airways. It's owned by Sony now. Procter & Gamble dominates the sponsoring. We had to fight to get the first black writer hired on The Young and the Restless, which has an over 40% black audience. But you tell me about exclusion. We won that fight, and she remains the only black writer on The Young and the Restless in 42 years. And uh, I'll take a to ask a question, but let me just give you a piece of history. Soap opera began to sell soap to at-home housewives in 1930 on radio. They were tiny 15-minute radio soap operas, okay? And so since 1930 to 2015, the aggregate is well over radio and television, well over 500 years of aggregate airtime. And not a single African-American soap opera, not a single African-American executive producer or co-executive producer. We are barely behind that camera in writing, directing, casting, costume. We're not there yet. We are the competitive audience that's buying the product. And so that's why there are petitions up for people to sign on to, Procter & Gamble, CBS, Sony, and that's why... There is a website, my website, which is www.drew, D-R-U, the number four, diversity. So it's one word, drewfordiversity.com. Please visit me and read all about it and sign the petition. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks. Well, I know a lot of people want to know, like, how you got started in acting. So can you share with that how you got started? Well, I got started because people stood up for me as a black, underserved person. And we have to stop trimming and skirting the real issues. Uh, I had people who stood up for me when it was against the law in my state to even foster or adopt a black child. So let's talk about that as we are in the month of May. May is National Foster Care Awareness Month. We have 500,000 children available to be fostered, 100,000 available for adoption. This is a serious pandemic in our nation. It's only going to get bigger because we have immigrant children as young as eight years old. It was reported on national news yesterday trying to cross the Mediterranean on their own to get to the liberation of other shores. And we have our brothers and sisters coming up, our black and brown sisters trying to get to a democracy 
from Mexico and further south throughout South America. And so I had someone fortunate enough to stand up for me, and people who broke the law, who didn't look like me, so that I didn't have to live in an orphanage in a state that refused it. And that was 16 states, not only the state of Maine, but other states. So when you ask that question, I, I hope that given the levity of your listeners, I'm sure they would appreciate the full answer. People stood up for me for 18 years. And yes, I did my part. And I continue to do my part. And that's why I can't just step out on stage and collect a check and put on the lip gloss and get in the Jimmy Choo's and step out on stage. It's always been about pulling other people through. And unfortunately, I have seen many people, not only that don't look like me, but people who do look like me, who can do a lot more and don't. They don't want to rock the boat. And, and that's what I was going to ask. Like, why do why you know some people say, hey, you know what? Hey, fear. It's fear. fear. It's fear based, and it goes back to a slaveology. That until we talk about race, cannot race forward. I just want to plug raceforward.org. But if we don't talk about race, and really we are, because we're in a national discussion and international international discussion about race and racially planted attitudes, not only in law enforcement, but in all aspects of business in this country. I work in an industry that's 96% white male. Let me say it again because I can't. Media is run by 96% white male. And if you don't believe that stat, log on to UCLA's Ralph J. Bunch 2015 Hollywood Disconnect with African Americans report by Professor Carol Hunt and his colleagues. And you can read about it on the Elson. People are afraid to look at the truth. And we can't tell history correctly if we're not willing to face it. And what's historically true is that African Americans have been persecuted. It has not been talked about. And now we're seeing a different kind of lynching. We're seeing the eclipse, the lynching of, of careers. That's a different kind of lynching. It's called lack of economic emancipation. And we have to talk about real issues. I'm in entertainment, so my concerns are in Washington, D.C. Why hasn't the FCC, why hasn't Chairman Tom Wheeler, and I asked Chairman Wheeler, why hasn't one African-American been allowed to participate in a multi-billion dollar industry such as soap opera that is also a pipeline, financial pipeline to primetime pilots, which we also rarely star in? or own. You can't pin a whole race of people on Deshonda Rhine. That's racist in and of itself. Yeah, but people might step back and say, well, hey, you know what? People have a choice. Black women and black men have a choice not to watch TV and not to watch, but they do. Yeah, but guess what? Us who's buying the products who want over $1 trillion annually that are being advertised, black people, and we're exploited over and over and over again. It's not that African Americans are watching a particular show, but that audience share that's watching Empire or that audience share that's watching the top-tier shows like Young and the Restless, that audience has been exploited throughout the daytime lineup. We watch seven and a half hours of television more than any other group in one sitting. And when you're sitting and watching television, your favorite show, and watching those advertisements, because TV and radio, you know this, 
does not exist unless there are advertisers paying yep. billions, aggregate billions, and we don't have a share in that. So I asked the, you know, I asked the Federal Communications Commission in Washington D.C. where is the discussion about breaking up a monopoly of television that is a billion-dollar industry? Let's just talk about daytime because that's the low-hanging fruit right now in this conversation. Where are we besides being your main audience and buying the products that are keeping networks thriving, keeping the lights on, yet we don't have a piece of the economic picture? So then, in other words, we're equal, but we're not free. So you talk about Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, you may be you may be equal, but we stand united. We are not free until we have economic participation in the executive areas, in the ownership areas. People jumping up and down. Oh, oh we've got to, we've got a show. We got a show. We got a roll. No, you need ownership. You need distribution. You need a piece of the billion dollar prize. <laughs> no, and and to some extent, you know, everybody knew that there was a lack of African American roles. So you had scandals, well, no, right? No, and it did so well. Then you had, um, you know what? I can't have this kind of interview if you are not going to go behind the camera, behind the mic. If you're not going to go behind, if you're not going to go into the newsroom, who are the executive producers? Hence, why we don't see a CNN Sunny Hostin with her own show. Why doesn't Donna Brazil have her own hour? We have to talk about it like that. I'm not interested in talking about a little role. The role is not the power. And you don't get the power until you're an executive. So let us talk about the real deal, not a role, because a role is window dressing, darling. That is window dressing to suggest everything is okie dokie behind the camera when for over 500 aggregate years, that is far from it. So, so let's, let's go behind. It. Yeah, let's let's go behind. And everybody's entitled to their opinion, and viewers might hear it and say, hey, I don't care. Some might get involved. But, okay, so Shonda, right, like you said, you, everybody's so excited about Shonda. Um, what, why do you feel there aren't more executive leaders' roles, like not the roles like Scandal and Kerry Washington, the ones well, with the power? Let me you. You've asked the question. Do you know how many of us have asked for a meeting? Do you know how many of us have put in decades of work? I've put in three decades. I know many other African Americans that have put in three or more decades, and we are told no. We're told no. We're told either no or silence is our answer. Crickets, in other words. And so we are asked to be supporting. We're asked to be stage managers when we should be executive directors. And let me just put something else into perspective. Let's talk about the economy. These yep. are union jobs. So we have the Producers Guild of America. I invite your listeners to go onto our website. We have the Producers Guild of America. We have the Directors Guild of America, which is run by Paris Barkley, first African American. We also have the Writers Guild of America. We have Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation Radio Television Artists, which I'm sure you're familiar with. We have the TV Academy and the Television Academy of Arts and Sciences. And I ask, and I've had many conversations with diversity directors. We have Local 706, which is hair and makeup. We have IOSTI. And so that's the acronym. 
And so I ask all these unions, why don't we have department more department heads uh, who are of color? That is the person that leads up the teams of hair and makeup. And why are white hair people running up to stage grabbing an Emmy or an Oscar and they can't do a lick of black hair in any direction? No, they run to the wig because they can't do it. And quite frankly, why are you in the union if you can't do all hair? So that's just one aspect. But these are union jobs. That means pension and health and retirement. And we see the systemic, entrenched, good old boys clubs, racially privileged opportunities for whites that are not offered equitably to African Americans and other people of color in an industry that we have substantially contributed to. And so, again, I go to my congressional members. I look at my congressperson. When I'm in Washington, D.C., it's not just about talking about the issue at hand, whether I was recently asked to speak on Capitol Hill for Arts Advocacy Day and making sure the National Endowment is funded. That's fine. But are those funds going to the underserved communities? Are they going to the West End in Atlanta, into our arts and are we getting an equitable share of those funds? So it's not just about being invited to speak on Capitol Hill on these very important issues, and I'll be returning to talk about foster care this month for congressional member. But I'm there also to talk about the industry in which I work, the corporate industry. CBS is not CBS. CBS is owned by a 91-year-old Jewish man named Sumner Redstone and his daughter, Terry Redstone, in Dedham, Massachusetts, National Amusement. So National Amusement owns CBS, Paramount Pictures, Black Entertainment Television, Showtime, and much more. The same way Time Warner owns CNN, HBO. Just go online. You can read about it. And so the question becomes, where are we as African Americans? who substantially and sufficiently participate in this industry? Where are we at the business level? No, I mean, those are good questions. And um, we have a question in the chat room, and it's from Tina123. And she said, in your introduction, you mentioned foster care and people that didn't like look like you and people that looked like you helped. So do you not want to give credit that, it's not just a black and white issue. Um, That's exactly what I said. What I said. People who don't look like me, as well as who look like me, help. That means people who don't look like you also help. This is yep. this is the overall. This is the overarching sentiment that I am presenting for the listeners to hear. That you don't have to look like someone to help them. You don't have to look like someone to stand up and care that African Americans have never been invited to participate in many corporate arenas on the executive level. And this is what we're talking about ultimately in this nation. Jobs. And why do people have to turn to crime or find a way to eat? With 25,000, you see how it all is cross-pollinating, where you have 25,000 foster children emancipating from foster care every year. Do you think all of them get a job? 
Do you think all of them go on to college? Do you think all of them had a social worker that cares? Now, I've had some fantastic social workers. I can remember two of them out of 18 years. What does that tell you? So everyone makes it. And so I have a responsibility. People say, oh, you come on strong. Oh, you get what? Yes, yes. (laughs) Because my choice, I had, no, hold up. I had two choices in life. In foster care, 75% of the population is in prison. 75% of the prison population, rather, let me rephrase, 75% of the prison population was once in foster care. You can read about it. A prison population that is disproportionately populated with black and brown people. So what are my chances? I can be a self-advocate. I can speak up while I'm in foster care and don't think I didn't get blowback while I was in foster care either. They thought it was absurd that I was asking for ballet slippers or an education. So I take all of that work. I take all of that responsibility, all those people that stood up for me. I carry it forward. And just because I'm in Hollywood on a red carpet, it's a scratch in the groove. This still means I stand I speak up, I speak out, and retaliation is real. And that's why my co-counsel filed a lawsuit on my behalf against CBS, Sony, Bell Dramatic Serial, Bell Philip, and Corday Productions for not allowing me to work, for speaking up on behalf of African Americans in front, but most definitely the lack of our presence behind the camera. And people can read about it at DrewForDiversity.com. All right. Now, thank you. We're live with Victoria Raul. Um, I have to pay some bills. So first off, I want us to check out SweetPeachChildrenStories.com, inspirational stories addressing bullying, low self-esteem, trying to be like others while finding your beauty, planting seeds that flourish as they grow. Sweet Children. Stories.com is selling edgy, one-of-a-kind clothing for infants and toddlers. So please check out SweetPeaChildrenStories.com. We are live with the one and only Victoria Raul. And um, so we're chatting about just diversity and the lack of. And somebody might step back and say, okay, you know, you've been out there. Like you said, retaliation is real, and we all know retaliation is very well. But there are a lot of African-American people in power in Hollywood, and they're not as um, strong about it as you. Do you feel that this is also contributing to the problem? Because a lot more people can help, a lot more than just, you know, you. Do you think that's also contributing to the problem? Can you you ask that question again? I, I need to hear that question again. Why do you think it is that more African-American or even other people of color are not as adamant about fighting for equality in Hollywood, um, on soap operas, as you? Got it. There has been a history of marching in Hollywood. Oscar Michaud, filmmaker. Ruby Dee, the great Ruby Dee. Ozzie Davis, James Baldwin, James Earl Jones, many, 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 many people. Have Danny Glover, you see Regina King has stepped out, 
in the past. Terry Shepard, Byron Allen just filed a lawsuit against Comcast NBC. Monique has spoken. Many people have spoken out. So let us be clear. I am not alone in this month. Unfortunately, the retaliation is difficult. Let me give you another example. Paul Robeson. Remember him? Yeah. Brilliant. The brilliant Paul Robeson. How about Marian Anderson, not allowed to sing in Washington, D.C.? And then the great First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt stepped forward and captured that moment and maximized it. So there's been a lot of marching and stepping out, not only with performers, but producers and directors and politicians and to the tune of Harry Belafonte, etc. So I'm not alone by any means. I am within a legacy people who have stepped out courageously to speak out on the inequity of, and let's stop calling it entertainment. This is a corporate business. This is hugely corporate. These are corporations, CBS Corporation, and these Procter and Gamble Corporations. And when you go online, I encourage the listeners to log on to www.usaspending.gov. And they are federal contractors. And every year, CBS and other networks and other businesses that are federal contractors, people don't know this, they don't want you to know it. They receive millions and millions of dollars every year from the federal government, taxpayer dollars. And we don't see it those of us that wish to engage in business within the corporation to participate. So retaliation is a tool that is used to silence and to send a person into, you know, a state of submissiveness. That would not be me. <laughs> so let me say No, that. I don't USA think so. <laughs> no, it's USAspending.gov. For your listeners who are smart listeners and are saying, I want to take a look at that. I never knew the yes. network television yes. industry were also federal contractors receiving millions of dollars annually. I think I'll look online and Google who owns CBS. And Procter & Gamble owns soap operas and didn't hire African-American executives ever. Oh, well, then I guess my black is beautiful as long as I reach and spend for the Pantene, but my black isn't beautiful when I reach for executive jobs behind the camera, behind the mic. Huh. Wow. Check it. Wow. <laughs> and, we, and with that, we're going to pay some more commercials. Love it, love it. No, we're going to pay some more commercials, um, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned, please. For the 5th Annual Dare to Aspire Conference for Women and Mom Entrepreneurs. This two-day event is being held in Atlanta, Georgia on Friday, June 12th and Saturday, June 13th. Check out D2Aspire.com. Early registration is on sale now. Limited quantities are available. Register now at D2Aspire.com. Hair Yum is the fastest growing vegan hair care product on the market. Hair Yum can transform your hair with one wash. 
cleansed with no harsh chemicals, sulfates, or detergents. The Hair Yum Collection is available now at HairYum.com. Take the challenge. Go vegan. Get Hair Yum at HairYum.com. That's H-A-I-R-Y-U-M.com. Your hair will thank you for it. And we are back. We're live chatting with soap opera actress, award-winning actress, producer, Victoria Rowell. And um, we were just chatting about just diversity and kind of cor- and the lack of um, corporate roles in entertainment. And I think that we most corporations, um, you know, today, whether it's your big corporations, you know, are run by um, non-minorities. That's just facts. Even small businesses are run by non-minorities and even conferences. Well, very few conferences are actually backed by, you know, minorities. So, I mean, we see this all across the board. And with that, Victoria, is my next question is, with those statistics, and you can Google, you can research, the statistics don't lie, do you think you're fighting an uphill battle that will never be won? And I say that not not to downplay no, it. No, I'm, I'm absolutely undeterred. First of all, coming into the planet, coming into the world, and a world that said no because you're black. I understand who I am. I look in the mirror, I see who I am. I'm black, I'm a woman, and I'm beautiful. Not from the outside. I'm talking about because people poured their courage and their wisdom and their sacrifice into me, and we all have a responsibility. It's been an uphill battle since the year 1619 when the Dutch kidnapped Africans and put them on the United States of America to farm tobacco. So let us be clear about the history. Let us be clear about our responsibility here and not to sit in pretty clothes and have a fancy car and, you know, blah, blah, blah. We need to do the work sliding momentously, not only due to a gridlock government that has tried to undermine our president, Barack Obama, repeatedly, deliberately, but because we have to maintain and build for the future of our children and for our humanity. And there is this notion of happy, sleepy Negroes still on the plantation singing songs in the antebellum South. It is quite remarkable, the things that you read and see. And we have to wake up because there seems to be a, 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 a hibernation of the civil rights movement, and this doesn't include only African Americans, but all of us should be concerned about this sleepy, backsliding attitude that everything's going to be okay and do you have the newest song on your iPod or whatever. You know, our African American institutions are being gobbled up. I think it was the Koch brothers that cut a $25 million check United Negro College Fund. I think that there are historical black colleges that are crumbling. They need the money. Where is our philanthropy with our historical black colleges in America that are crumbling? Are they supposed to turn down, for example, a Koch brother check? Ask yourself that. 
Or are we supposed to be giving the money, not only to church and tithing, but should we be giving to our African-American educational institutions, or are we going to sell them down the river, too, for a Republican vote down the road? Because if you don't think that's what this is about, then you think again. Think again. Oh, no, I'm not I'm undaunted by the uphill battle. I, I'm, well, I'm well aware. I think I've known since I was the age since the age of six that I was on a bike without a chain up the side of Mount Everest. I'm ready. I'm clear. I've got good calf muscles. I've got good health. And I've got a good constitution. (laughs) And I have a good faith in God. Wow. We are live chatting. A couple of questions in terms of just acting, just to give advice to kind of or tips that you've learned based on your time in Hollywood and acting on screen and producing, like what advice do you have for young minority actors? Yeah, and you're sweet. You're 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 sweet and and lovely. You have a lovely disposition. Uh, in, in Thank you. And, <laughs> and I want to say that, and I think that you should continue. But listen, darling, own the station. Say that to yourself. I want to hear you say it. I'm going to own the station. <laughs> I'm going to own the station. No, no, I'm I'm just, oh, and one thing I do want to say, the views expressed by Victoria Royale are her views are not necessarily those, my good nanny. But, yes, I I will own the station, but go ahead. We're going to take a replay. I want to hear you say, I one day will own a station. I one day will own a station. Thank you. Now, what was your next question? What was the question? What was the action? So oh, yes. Actors. No, the, the tip, just tips for minority actors. Uh, no, I got it. I remember. Uh, first of all, you cannot come to Hollywood and not know who you are or else Hollywood will define you. That's anywhere. You can't walk into uh, a corporate entity. I don't care if it's IBM or Procter & Gamble in Cincinnati, Ohio. By the way, African-American women buy more Pampers than any other group. Just going to put that in there. But... <laughs> Want to, you know, billions of dollars. Where's our piece? Um, but you have to know who you are. And no matter what you plan to be, because that industry will define you. They have a box ready for you to walk into. And you fit that box. Oh, black actress coming to Hollywood and exotic. Yeah. Well, that is the perception of some. And we have no control over people, places, and things. But we certainly can educate. And see, beyond the beauty of the black female, the brown female, there is an intelligence. There is an intellect. There is a business mind behind this space. And we will be recognized. So when you come forward, whether it's to star on Broadway, whether it's We're talking theater now, whether it's to go to Chicago, whether it's to be in Hollywood, whether it's to go abroad, because entertainment, paradigm of entertainment has forever changed. There are other aspects of entertainment that you can now go to beyond the shores of the United States. And in many cases, unfortunate, and I say this is fortunate and unfortunate, much like Josephine Baker, we are still looking at having to go somewhere else to be recognized and to come back and be recognized. Do you think 12 years of slave would have really gotten done 
here in the United States of America, whether you like the movie or not, that's not the point. I'm talking about the movie itself. Steve McQueen is a Brit. So know who you are. Know your power. Don't be diminished. Don't let someone tell you that you're a supporting actor or actress when you know you are a leading actor. Don't check that box. Who are you supporting? No one. You're a leading actor. Try not to check that box just so you can run up there and get a trophy. It's a supporting <laughs> actor because that diminishes the next person coming up through the ranks. Yeah, but Victoria, so, people are like, I got to eat. I got to pay my bills. I mean, yes, yeah, I want to fight for equality, but I got two kids to feed and I got to pay my bills. So I'm going to take that supporting right. actor role. What do you I mean? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not saying don't take it. That wasn't what I said. I'm talking about the awards. I was talking about the awards portion of this. Well, I'm talking about not taking a role. I'm talking about the definition and walking into a box. If you roll back the tape, you will have heard me preface what I said about there's a box waiting for them to walk into. Yep. And then there's the award sequence of already having a role. When you are leading storyline, or you are, but let's just take Christoph St. John and Young and the Wrestle, for instance. Yeah. He, he is a leading black actor. Yep. Um, he is a proficient actor in primetime, in feature films, uh, in daytime television. Yet, he is classified as a supporting actor this year. And people talked about it on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, at Victoria Rowell, R-O-W-E-L-L, as a supporting actor. And this is what happened over and over and over again. I was told that I was a supporting actor, and I said, who am I supporting as Drusilla Barbara Winters? I don't think so. But they will try to define you. So I go back to the opening statement. Whether it is performance, we have the fabulous Misty Copeland, soloist for the American Ballet Theater, who I saw recently at the Kennedy Center performing in the starring historic role of Swan Lake Odette Odeo with an African-American male lead from the Washington Ballet, Brooklyn Mack. He will be starring at the Metropolitan Opera House at Lincoln Center in New York City in June for the American Ballet Theater in not only Swan Lake, but also Romeo and Juliet. This is history, people. Go see Misty Copeland. She's on the cover of Time magazine. She is one. She's been selected as one of uh, the nation's most, 100 of the most influential people in America today. Misty wow, I'm, Copeland. I need her on my show. <laughs> Can you make that happen? I want to interview her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she is, and of course, that is a goal, right? Um, she is a phenomenal person. She's changing the paradigm of classical ballet to include this conversation. I appreciate so much because it's about inclusion instead yes. of exclusion, and that's part of the national dialogue around why must African Americans and other people of color be persecuted habitually? We're persecuted in the corporate strata, business, if you said conference, media. Classical arts and arts at all, education, jobs, and it goes on and on and on everywhere, and it must 
stop. We can't let let us not let Ferguson and Baltimore and probably and Jasper and all the horrific circumstances that has historically happened to black and brown people in this nation. Let us not rest on how awful it is pounding our chest and pulling on pearls and loosening our ties and, you know, just, oh, just, it's just awful. But we've got to do more than pray about it. We've got to march about it. We've got to write to our congressional members, and we've got to say we're not going to take it anymore. Black lives matter. Because all lives matter. Of course. Of course. Of course. I want to say this. I want to say this. When I was in Washington, D.C. recently giving my testimony, the National Endowment for the Arts asked for my testimony as a beneficiary of the National Endowment for the Arts, which turned 50 this year, thanks to Linda B. Johnson. And I marched in Selma before, uh, before that, in Selma, Alabama, with Dick Gregory and Chris Tucker and others, other Christian leadership. Dr. Steele and his wife and others. Well, let me loop back to Washington. Loop back to Washington. Because when I'm in Washington, which used to be known as Chocolate City, for those who didn't know that, because African Americans built Washington, D.C., and the White House, and many, many, many other buildings, and built the structure. And then African-Americans, when I look at Washington, D.C. in 2015, that place would fall apart if African-Americans did not work. They are the spine behind the desk of Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. They are the spine. When I tell you tell you they are the spine, African-Americans are the spine. They are the grist in the wheel that keeps Washington, D.C. moving. I just wanted to pay my respects to all the people past and present that have worked in Washington, D.C., who have labored, who lifted bricks and marble, and all the people who work in the copyright office right into Capitol Hill. Thank you for all that you did, the nation. No, thank you. Thank you. We are live with the one and only Victoria Rowell, and we're excited. She's chatting on the show about diversity, acting, foster care, and so much more. Um, we're going to take a quick break to um, play some more bills, and we'll be right back. Please stay tuned. Thank you. Hair Yum is the fastest-growing vegan hair care product on the market. Hair Yum can transform your hair with one wash. Cleanse with no harsh chemicals, sulfates, or detergents. The Hair Yum collection is available now at HairYum.com. Take the challenge. Go vegan. Get Hair Yum at HairYum.com. That's H-A-I-R-Y-U-M.com. Your hair will... Thanks, Mom. Like an inspirational emblem, license plate, or pen from Anointed by Grace Designs. And there's no better time than during our Mother's Day sale. Save 20% on our entire emblem inventory and receive a free bookmark with any purchase. Visit anointedbygrace.com for details. And we're back live. Thank you so much for tuning to MGM Radio with our special guest, um, soap opera star Victoria Rowell. And, um, 
We were chatting, and thank you so much to our sponsors. Again, just want to mention that the views expressed by our guests are not necessarily the views of MGM Radio. However, we do appreciate a healthy discussion. So, Victoria, um, one of the things that a lot of people, a lot of your fans um, talk about is missing you on Young and Restless, Drusilla Winters. Do you Do you have a message for your fans, and do you think that, you know, if things are resolved with CBS, that you would go back to the show if asked? Well, first of all, I want to say to the fans, thank you. <laughs> the fans have been extraordinary these past seven-plus years. Um, they put me on in part, largely in part, put me on the New York Times bestseller list, um, not only with my memoir, The Women Who Raised Me, which, by the way, Happy Mother's Day, in advance to all of our mothers and mentors out there, and also the fathers who are raising their children. But also I want to thank the fans and those who are not even Young and the Restless watchers but have become very interested in this dialogue around, you've got to be kidding me, there's never been an African-American executive producer on the Young and the Restless ever. They're astounded that there's never been a black costume designer or a public relations, I mean, just there are, people are amazed. And so, first of all, I want to say thank you to the fans for uh, not only coming out when I lecture or keynote or when I'm on a book tour, um, also came out, sold me out, by the way, just, just sold out all my books, I should say, while I was um, invited by the Essence Music Festival in Louisiana which is the largest uh, 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 groundswell of African-Americans for an event, I think, in the nation at one time. I think we reached somewhere around half a million people in Louisiana, in New Orleans, um, for the Essence Music Festival. But anyway, it sold out of my two soap opera novels. Uh, the first uh, Simon & Schuster published Atria book was uh, – Secrets of the Soap Opera Diva, and the other was titled The Young and the Ruthless. And we sold out. I had a great time in Louisiana, New Orleans. And I want to say to the fans, I have requested reinstatement since 2010, for those that don't know this, my representative. And what's different about me is that I'm a leading actress, I'm a New York Times best-selling author. I'm a feature film star and a primetime star, and no other actor that I know of has worked in daytime and primetime simultaneously for six years. Um, but I'm black, you see, and when you're black, you're not invited back or cross-pollinated on other soap operas. Now, white actors are typically traded like baseball cards. They are on one show, they're on another show, uh, you'll see the same with producers behind the camera, fired even, and rehired on another show, and rehired on another show. Um, and this happens all day long if you're white. That is passport. But there is not a single leading black female actress, daytime star on network television, ABC, NBC, CBO. What do you think that says? They don't value us. They minimize us. They use us to pull in that that very, very sought-after black audience. 
because we buy, because we spend on the products that are advertised. Soap operas are meant to drive products and sell products. Let's not get it twisted. That is our purpose, to connect advertising time. That's why we're made up of little vignettes, so we can cut to commercial. And there's a thing called boxcar advertising, where advertisers compete to get the first commercial out and the last commercial before we come back to the next soap opera scene. That's called boxcar advertising. And it can it could be anywhere from thirty five, I'm guessing, uh it could be thirty five thousand dollars for fifteen seconds of time. Big money. Yeah. So since two thousand and ten the request has gone in. But I will be retaliated against. And so a jury of my own peers, we will lit we will be litigious in this effort. We will let a judge and jury decide if it's okay to retaliate against an American citizen who has sufficiently done her work and has spoken out on lack of African Americans in an industry, a multi-billion dollar industry, that African Americans have sufficiently made successful, specific to the Sony-owned CBS license, The Young and the Restless. Do you ever, as as you talk about, because like you say, Sony owns CBS, big names, do you ever think about approaching it a different way? Because like you Why mentioned, Why don't you recommend me and the listeners what a different way might be? So are you saying different from putting in 14 years as a star? Are you saying putting in 14 years differently, pitching stories that were produced so I would not be given any credit or compensation? Are you saying do it differently by brokering talent? Uh, are you saying do it differently by winning 11 NAACP Image Awards and being Emmy nominated? Are you saying do it differently by sucking it up and sitting in a separate but equal room to get my hair done and the other black cast members? Are you saying do it differently by being demanded to keep price tags in the costume so they could return my costumes because they said they were too expensive on my back? Are you saying that I should do it differently? How? Great question. Great question. And I probably well, won't be able to answer it. it on this. Yeah, no, I'm saying great question. And I like that you came back with specific examples, having them leave the price tags in your costumes. So, they, you know, I like that you came back, but... And when I do my coaching with businesses, I always say, okay, what's your end goal? And then work that way. But we're live with Victoria. And um, question, um, let's chat about your books. Because like you said, and we said in the introduction, you're a New York Times bestselling author. How was that process? What made you write your first book? Can you share some insight to our listeners about the process? Um, and, you know, just talk about your books. Sure. Um just to put a button, you said, what's the end goal? Let's just put a button on the end goal. The end goal in terms of the young and the restless is not only reinstatement for me, but the reinstatement of the black family that I inspired. We don't raise ourselves in the wild. Where is Veronica Fred who played Mamie? Where is the mother and father figure? Where is the sister played by the actress Tanya Lee Williams? Where are the people that built an audience share? You can go on Wikipedia and see how the black cast 
pulled in a huge audience share. But you see, much like what happened in the 1990s on Fox, where you had the Bernie Mac show and all those shows, and even when you look at Showtime and they had soul food, we pull in that audience and then we're split off the grid and replaced with white. So let me be clear. The end goal is not only reinstatement for myself and jobs beyond acting as white actors are tapped and offered, be writers, directors, executive producers, that many opportunities will be offered. So we will have a normalcy. Like Shonda Rhimes said, stop calling it diversity. Call it normalcy. That there, it is not natural, it is not normal, and it is not American. And nothing can be number one in this nation and not include all of its people. How can you be number one at anything and never have had an African-American executive in any direction in an industry? That would be so possible. That is un-American. It is unconstitutional. And we're going to see about it in court. Now I'll talk about the book. Okay. Yeah, that's My that book, about your book. Yeah. The book industry is, we'll have to, because we're, we're winding up our, um, our one hour here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the book industry will have to schedule another uh, opportunity to talk about the book industry, which I am very engrossed. Um, it's a fascinating industry. It's a centuries-old industry. Um, some of my favorite authors, uh, specific to African-Americans, would be Phyllis Wheatley and Paul, um, Paul Lawrence Dunbar, Chris James Baldwin. Um, I love in the contemporary realm Dolan uh, 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 Perkins Valdez, um, who wrote um, Wench, which is a great piece of historical fiction. I highly recommend Wench. Um, and other authors uh, in, include uh, Barbara Kinsolver. I love um, uh, her book. Um, and, and, and others. Um, one of my favorite editors um, is Malaika Adiro, who was with Simon at Schuster Atria and now is independent. I highly recommend um, your listeners to Google her. Malaika Adiro, M-A-L-A-I, K-A, Malaika Adiro, A-D-E-R-O, um, extraordinary expert. Um, I enjoyed being on the road. I enjoyed communion with um, literary people, um, and not only book writers, but script writers, play writers, um, um, collegiate groups. I spoke at Mississippi State, Selman, uh University of Southern Maine, across, across the country, all over the country and outside the country. The book took me to India, to Germany, to the Caribbean, and other parts. Um, I was invited to discuss the book at the Maheshashir University in Istanbul, Turkey. And so books um, travel you. And I love the research aspects of books, but I also like the business. I understand it's frustrating as well, but for African-Americans in getting a book tour, there's a disproportionate budget put behind African-American writers, and I don't care how great you are. What are publishing companies, what is the budget for African-American writers going on tour? You've got to tour your book. You've got to be out on the road. I don't care how famous you are to move your book. And also I want to say 
the biggest book fair annually. Look it up. It, it's the book fair held at the Jacob Javits Center annually in the spring. This is very important if you have a book if you have a book deal right now. You want to ask your editor to get you uh, a book signing at the National Book Fair uh, at, I'm sorry, not the National Book Fair, but look up the book fair at the Jacob Javits Center. You want that promotion. That is a huge promotional tool. Everybody is there. Every publishing house is there. Look it up. Also, if you have a book, you have been published, you want to apply to get into the National Book Fair in Washington, D.C., which former First Lady Laura Bush started. That's very, very important. That's a feather in your cap. Be on the mall signing your book and being on that schedule. Also, the Chicago Tribune Book Fair, that's very important. The Miami Book Fair, these are big book fairs, people. The Boston, Maine has a book fair, but Chicago, Washington, D.C. National Book Fair, and definitely the largest book fair, which is at Jacob Javits, New York City. You want to be a part of that. I believe in self-publishing, but what is different about getting a publishing deal with an established publisher is they handle all the distribution in the print run. But a print run is the initial numbers of books that are printed going out the gate. And pre-sales. They look for those pre-sales before the launch. And those are important because that indicates the interest in your story. They also handle press, the initial press. Not enough, in my opinion, but initial press. And so you have to be prepared to build your own strategic plan for distribution to say, be prepared to build your own book tour if you're a minority. Plain and simple, be prepared, find the ducats, call your churches, call your alum, but be prepared. I love that. That's really, and I hope everybody's writing it down. Anyway, this show is recorded because those nuggets, Victoria, are very, very important and they're very good. Those book fairs you mentioned, the one in New York, and having your because a lot of people want to write a book, right? But having your own tour, call your churches, I love that. that those piece of advice were great, great, great advice for for somebody who's interested in writing. How much would you say somebody needs to budget? Let's say they're thinking about writing a book. They're no, they're not a celebrity. They're not on reality TV. They're just a normal, you know, mom that wants to write her story. How, how much would you say in order to do it effectively? Do you, Can you say that, what amount they should try and save up to actually do the tour effectively? Well, I, won't, I, won't, I won't say an amount. I won't say a specific amount, but I would say that you could do something – that would be impactful. And remember, impact is relative, right? So you have to think about where you're at in your life, what your goal is. So if you're writing a spiritual book, if you're reading an inspirational book, if you're writing a book of poetry, and what is your goal? If your goal is to fill the trunk of your car or the back of your uh, station wagon with your self-published soft cover books, then you might do a print run of 200 books. That's very respectful. And you might not do that until you sit down with your pastor or you sit down with your sorority and sit down uh, and say, look, I am trying to get the word out. I'm trying to make a small profit because let's be clear, you're not doing this for your health. (laughs) Schlepping bucks 
the books is no fun. And so you want to make a profit. And as I say, we're going to have to schedule because now we're over time, but this is very important. This is about education, and I'm all about education. That you have to have a strategic plan, especially not only when you have a publishing deal by a publishing house, but you have to know what to ask for. And you can't be afraid to ask what you need. If you don't open your mouth, you will not get fed. So you have to open your mouth. You have to put together a smart and strategic plan for what the trajectory of your book sale is going to be and the audience that you wish to embrace it. And so you put together a plan where the pastor uh, will allow you to come to the pulpit, male or female pastor, allow you to come to the pulpit and speak for a few moments and don't abuse that opportunity, I might say, so you will be invited back to your next book. And that you will speak and that there will be a book signing after service. And so this takes time and planning, strategic plans, well in advance of your book run. And given the interest that you get, you then can determine, hmm, sounds like I should probably print about 100 books or 200 books. Some of these independent publishing, book publishing companies have a, uh, you know, a cap on how few books they will publish because it's cost prohibitive for them. So you have to be smart. But I will end with this. Put together your plan. Who are you trying to ask yourself these few questions? Who are you trying to reach? Where can you go? And who will help you? It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show. I look forward to the lecture with Dare to Aspire in Atlanta. Woohoo! Yes, yes. So thank you, Victoria. Please tell our listeners how they can reach you, what they should tweet about, please, before you before you um, leave us. Absolutely. Uh, I, well, I'll just say it's been a pleasure. I look forward to Dare to Aspire. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to say a lot of things. Uh, but I do and join me over at Hot Yoga. Oh, I love Red Hot Yoga. It's right there uh, over at Dupont Circle. Um, uh, I think it's called Dupont. But anyway, look up Red Hot Yoga. Join me in class. But join me online at www.drew, D-R-U, the number four, diversity. So drewfordiversity.com, that's my website. And on Twitter, I tweet every day. I follow everybody. I pretty much follow everybody unless you're going to be nonsensical. But I follow just about everybody at Victoria Rowell. That's R-O-W-E-L-L. I can't do Facebook, can't do uh, Instagram. You all have too much going on. I'm sticking <laughs> to my Twitter. I'm sticking to my Twitter at Victoria Rowell. you got to get on Instagram. you got to get on Instagram. <laughs> I'm on there, but I can't. And I'm on Facebook, but I'm I'm a Twitterer. And I'm oh, loyal okay. to Twitter to do it quickly, get it said, and get out and get on with my day. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So at Victoria Rowell, Drew for Diversity, my hashtag is also Drew for Diversity. Um, follow the discussion going on right now. And uh, as I say, um, May is National Foster Care Awareness Month. Happy Mother's Day. And join me in June for Dare to Aspire. And do we want to say where we will be? Because I'm sure there are tickets available. Yes, the Georgian Terrace. Yeah. 
in downtown Atlanta, very exclusive, exquisite hotel. Google it, and you will see. And those who are in Atlanta, you know that hotel. It's the top hotel where in can Atlanta. Where can you can get, get tickets it? online, online at D, the number two, aspire.com. And we're on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So join us. Pinterest, just type in DARE, the number two, aspire. And how much are the tickets? Well, we have a Mother's Day special going on. Tickets are regularly one forty nine ninety nine, but with the Mother's Day special, you're going to save a lot of money, and so it's going to be less than a hundred dollars. So grab your tickets oh. now. Yeah, grab those Mother's Day special. I mean, Mother's Day is this Sunday. It's also my birthday, so make me happy. Oh, oh wow! What day are you born? What day are you born, Victoria? What day? Wait, no, wait, no. We just talked about sales of books. Now let me sell your tickets for you. So I'm okay. going to ask you, please, please, my my birthday gift, part of part of my birthday gift, would be for you to buy a ticket to Dare to Aspire. We're going to have lecturers from all over talking about business, talking about economic emancipation. We're going to be talking about inspiration and empowerment. We're going to be talking about being a woman. What that means today, we're going to be talking about our history, race, and racing forward. So don't miss out on Dare to Aspire. Miss out on laughter, fun, having a good time, but we are serious, serious people. You're going to walk away wishing that you had brought a friend and a family member. So with that in mind, you might consider buying two tickets at a reduced price, for the Mother's Day special to the Dare to Aspire Lecture Series. And that website awesome. again? D, what is that website the, again? D, the number two, aspire.com. So that's D as in David, aspire. The number two, then aspire, A-S-P-I-R-E, dot com. Correct. And we're gonna tweet. We're gonna tweet out the link, and then tweet out also Drew for this diversity dot um, com. So we'll tweet it out on Dare to Aspire Twitter, which is Dare D A R E the number two Aspire dot com. Okay, well we'll see everybody there. And again, it was a great pleasure, and have a great day. Have a great day. Thank you, Victoria. Have a blessed day. Happy birthday. All right. Thank, Thank you. you, everybody. We'll see you on Friday with our next guest. Um, and you'll see the information um, on Twitter. We'll tweet her out. So join us. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.